0: Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live and the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and, audio and video coverage for your Boston Celtics. See, John, it's been a month since we did this, and I can't even get out the intro without a flub. Um... I don't want to tie flubs into what's going on right now, but there are definitely going to be several people listening to the show this week that are going to be looking at, uh, what's been going on with free agency and the Celtics as a flub. And, and, and I understand it, John. So I'm just going to dive right into it. You know, my son's been with uh, me for three weeks. He just headed to college, uh, literally this afternoon. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Wow.
1: Crazy.
0: Wow. Crazy, man. Oh crazy. Gosh. But but so, you know, we're uh we've been back and forth about this, you know, and it's <laughs> he's like he's he follows the winds that blow on Twitter. And so he gets really he gets really wound up. And and I and I hear a lot of the common Twitter narratives coming from him sometimes when we have our conversations about the team. And so, you know, it's like, I just don't understand what they're doing. But the truth is, is like, I understand the desire for cap space and the strategy and everything else. You know what the bummer is, dude? One, I really liked Fournier and I wanted him to stay. I, I, I also loved what he did in the Olympics, you know, when he beat us. (laughs) And I think, I think there's a little chip there, and he wanted to stay. And so I I, I had kind of – even though he was, wasn't with us very long and had to deal with the COVID and, you know, then with the Jalen Brown injury, they didn't go very far and everything else. I still – I had a little – this guy could be really good for the team, and he's not going to be a ball hog, you know, and um, so – you know, that's part of it, but the real part of it is, is I'm just having a really hard time getting excited for this season, you know, and, <laughs> and that's, and it's kind of like this emotional thing. They could end up coming out and killing it for all we know, right? It could teach Tatum and Brown how to play off of each other and, and not be working separately in the offense and, and alternating ISOs. Uh, you know, lots of things could happen. There's a new coach, um, but I'm just, I'm having a hard time getting excited. Hey, we got Ennis Canner. Great. And I like Ennis. I think Ennis is fun. You know, I think he's a good, you know, personality to have around the team. But I'm not convinced that Beal is a good fit for this team. And I get that Beal isn't the only free agent target next year. Um, And maybe Beal's a good fit because it keeps Tatum around a long time. And I think that is the conversation that you and I had on the last show that we recorded. But as far as like ball movement and, you know, having enough for everybody to get theirs, even with Jalen Brown kind of moving into a – more of a back seat for that and, and plugging in when the other guys needs rest or goes through injury, anything like that. And then, and focusing more on defense. Like there's some attractive pieces to that, but we still don't really have a distributing point guard. That's going to help navigate all of that and get those guys into their spots. Al Horford's going to help with the ball movement, but sitting around on your hands and waiting, you know, to try to get a deal. I'm just not sure that, I'm not sure that Beale is the right, the right piece if you're keeping Jalen Brown. And, mm-hmm. and that's where my doubts really come into play with this. They might have their eyes on somebody else other than Beale. You know, just because we all think it's Beal doesn't mean it's Beale, but, I, I, you know, I, 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 uh, I'm not sure that this is the right play. I'm willing to be patient and see if they get a big one next year. But we've watched them do it, dude. They've gotten the big names, and shit always happens. <laughs> so why are we wasting another year? And so just all I'm saying is it better not be a waste of a year. They better overperform like the Terry Rozier Celtics. Well, okay. You like know, how I put there. that right? Terry a Rozier there. Celtics. There's the a lot there. Ro- Yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah,
1: I know, I know. Well, okay, so there's a lot here to unpack, right? So, I mean, I think that the last time the Celtics kind of had a bad year and things didn't go well and Danny went into that, what did he do? He said, I'm going to max out Kemba Walker (laughs) and – We're going to get Ennis Cantor and that's going to be our way of kind of stemming that tide and we're going to stay competitive and we can still be good. And it worked. They were were in it. They were, you know, conference finalists. I think probably a healthy Gordon Hayward from being in the NBA finals. And, you know, who knows? Because that Laker team was pretty beat up as well.
0: And keep in mind, Kemba – was not good in the postseason either. Good. Then no, not good. No, so they did. They did that kind of in in the in the postseason without right. Kemba, still
1: competitive, but but without right without Kemba, effectively. I mean, not the same Kemba. So you know they're they're coming into this year in a similar situation. This is the third time they or the second time I guess they've come off a bad season, and you know in that situation. They turned the tide, but then ultimately, it really <laughs> it doubled down on the problem. And instead of a Terry Rozier, you know, they ended up with a, a high priced guard, you know, uh, expensive guard um, who was small and couldn't defend, and ultimately, you know, was a real probably was the single biggest reason Danny Ainge isn't here anymore. Um, so. <laughs> There's so much to get into. I mean, we can talk about the, the drain of players who've walked out uh, that the Celtics have effectively chosen not to want, not to bring back. We can talk about uh, a whole bunch of things in terms of how we got here. But in terms of moving forward, like you said, you know whether Bradley Beale is the guy or not the guy. I mean, I think we would agree that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum alone aren't enough. To get them to get them over the hump, it would seem. It seems they need one more guy, uh, or a collection of guys that are pretty close to that level to where they can say, okay, we're deep, but we have, uh, you know, a collection of talent that, that can support those two. And, and right now they have neither one. Could these, these young guys really star this year? And we say, you know what? Maybe we don't need Le- you know, Bradley Beal. Possibly, but, but more likely than not. Their best path forward from this moment is create cap space, see what you can do to create somebody who can um, you know, fill that void. Uh, Evan Fournier was never going to be the third guy on this team who could push them over the top. So I, I lament the fact Fournier left more as an indictment on the last 3 or 4 years of Celtics off-seasons watching stars walk away. That's really the issue to me and why we're in this situation that we're in. It's not it's not for it's not fatal. It's not the end of the world, but I think the frustration point for Celtics fans or at least for me is the fact that We've seen this happen year after year after year, and there's different reasons. And there's different, you know, a lot of them it's because the Celtics just didn't want to pay that much money for a given player because tax concerns or what have you. But at the end of the day, we're sitting here three, four years later, and we are effectively throwing, I would say throwing away a season in, in the prime of. Your cornerstone players, but you're really not going all in, uh, or even half in, <laughs> uh, because you're really just hoping to kind of tank in a way <laughs> for Bradley Beal. And that's, that feels really icky to me. I don't like that. And you can say it's not Bradley Beal. You can say it's, you know, Zach Levine. You can say it's, we're going to max out to uh, triple J. You could say that, um, you know, maybe we think one of the, the Brooklyn guys is going to walk away. I don't think any of that's going to happen. Um, you know, Michael Porter Jr. I mean, this yeah you know, the list goes on and on, um, but realistically it's Beal, right? I mean, Eighty percent of this, at least to me, says they they have Bradley Beal circled, you know, and say, okay, this is the guy, this is the guy, and clearly that has to come with some side, some sort of inside knowledge, don't you think?
0: I mean, well, the inside knowledge is is tampering unless it's Jason Tatum, (laughs) right? That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I get it. Yep. So you know, and 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 that's how the NBA works. So right. it's it's not a big leap to think that that would be the case and that he would be planned for that. And they were bummed, you know, not to play together on the Olympic team. You know, pretty much everybody's connecting those dots. So let's go back to what I said. <laughs> I think ultimately, doesn't Jalen Brown got to get on the move?
1: Why Why do you think that?
0: Why does he have to get on the move? I just don't understand offensively how those three work together. You know, especially with, like, a Marcus – I'm not saying Marcus is necessarily bad, but, like, those are three guys that really should be fairly volume shooters. Well, you're but probably have, not going
1: to have Marcus here if you have Beal. Oh, mean, that's it's, true.
0: It's, right. They can't sign him. One no, no, other. no. You're right. They can't sign him. That's right. Because yeah. he wants the four-year $80 million 20 per contract yeah. extension that he's not going to get because they got to shed him to and get him. So, right. again, if you, even yeah, even worse. Even worse.
1: Well, but okay. So I mean, look at Brooklyn, right? I mean, that's I you guess who that's becomes kind of your the... point
0: guard, Rob Williams. But who, Rob who, Williams who? becomes your point guard with but, those three dudes but, in the offense. But, but what is a point guard today?
1: Really? I mean, look I at don't the, even care. Of... A point.
0: No, no, no. So that's my point about Brown. It. Marcus Smart, let's just let's just pretend the money isn't the issue. Marcus is Smart is a fine distributing point guard if you have players on the team that move the ball, right? But as as it stands today, what we saw, you know, the last couple of seasons was the ball doesn't doesn't move. Now, maybe that's something that, you know, Jason wasn't feeling well and had a rough start to the season, so they leaned on Brown, you know, and then Brown got hurt and they, you know, Tatum does his thing. But, dude, this team did not move the ball. And no. so you right. need somebody that gets that ball moving or these guys need to figure out how to move the ball in a whole new way. And I feel like when we go back to the, you know, injured Kyrie and and Hayward postseason, season. That we really saw that right, like Terry and Smart, and there was just a lot of ball movement from those young players. But I also feel like it's almost like we grew past that with what they're expecting from Jalen and Jason as marquee players in the offense, and and really what now can Beal move the ball? Yeah, I think Beal can be a good team player, but we saw this with Kemba. You know, he's a volume shooter who drives to the basket and. When you start, like they lose their rhythm, dude. If you need lots of shots to get into a rhythm, I just feel like Brown completely falls out of really getting a lot of touches. And yeah, he could be a focus on on defense, but do you want to pay a guy twenty eight million a year to to kind of be a one dimensional defensive three and D kind of guy that has you know exceptional D, and then like he's almost like in the Ray Allen role all of a sudden if you sign Beal. Except we don't have Rondo. Yeah, I mean, but I, uh, is there any merit to what I'm saying there? Like, I know you I don't know. I, know. I know you have a counterpoint, but but let's take that big three era. And just remember that Rondo is there. I'm not saying that but, Ray and Rondo, but got I don't a long, think. But he yeah, was but, definitely moving the ball around. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think
1: that's where the game is today. Like I don't I don't even think. The idea of a point guard setting up a team and and setting up a set and all that like that's it doesn't happen anymore. Point guards are scorers, wings are are do everything players. I mean, look at a better a better comp is to look at say you know the Clippers, right? Um, you know what is Kawhi and PG? What are their responsibilities vis a vis say um, you know a uh, Patrick Beverly or? You know, I mean, yeah, having that point guard who can move the ball is important, but it's not it's 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 secondary third it's tertiary. It's you know what I mean? And like, I I think that there's a style of play issue with Jason and Jalen that has to be worked out this season. Right. How they make each other better. I mean, let, let forget about who we add to the mix. Right, We got 82 games for those two to figure out how to make each other better, and that hasn't happened yet. And now, look, I can excuse that a great deal by saying, look, you got to figure out who you are as a player before you can worry about anybody else. And I think that both of those guys have been trying to figure out who they are and make themselves who they can be. You can't pay attention to everybody else if, if, you're only, if your focus has been on yourself. And I don't mean that selfishly. I don't think they're being selfish. I don't think they're selfish players, per se. I think it's just, look, you're kids. You're trying to learn how to be pros. They've done far more than most people their age. They've done a hell of a lot more than Trey Young and Luka Doncic combined, right? So – Let's not sit here and I'm not trying to throw it, you know, kind of criticize them. If if anything, I'm going the opposite way. I'm just saying I think that this is last year was the first time they had to run a team, right? It didn't go well for a lot of reasons. This year, there's that their role is staying the same and I'm not trying to excuse it. It's staying the same, but. What's the biggest thing that came out of Ime Odoka's press conference? We gotta find more ways to get assists. We gotta move the ball, right? That's the defense, defensive
0: ball movement. But guess what? Just it's the obvious focus. It's where they right. dropped off and it's where they sucked. Like yes. saying it and getting it to happen are two totally different things. Just because we hire a coach and the coach can notice the obvious glaring weaknesses doesn't mean he's gonna fix it.
1: Well, first thing you gotta do to solve a problem is recognize it, right? Oh, I mean, come on, dude. Well no, I mean look, if if they <laughs> thought it was is their Brad Stevens they should would be, be the able coach. To. If if it wasn't an issue, Brad Stevens would still be the coach here. I mean, obviously that was the problem, right? He didn't think he could get through to them, apparently. I mean I, I, I we still don't know why. We still don't know exactly why, but that's what I keep telling myself is that the reason why the, he's, he's where he is and Danny is where he is, um, in part is that he couldn't get through to them. So Imeodoka has to get through to them. And that's what they're going to be, that's what they're going to be judged upon, you know, is whether or not they can share the ball. Can they make each other better? Can they raise the boats around them in their games? Not just have spectacular plays themselves, but be good in who they are and also improve those who they share the floor with. And they haven't done that. And I'm not saying that that's a cop out. I'm not saying, Oh, well you don't, you know, that doesn't matter. But like, if you don't have the ability to, um, if you don't, if it's not a focus for you, you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to attack that. And if they don't change that, then what are, where are we as a, as a franchise? Is Bradley Beal? If, you're not gonna. I don't even know if Bradley Beal is gonna want to come here to change that, you know, because because seemingly they don't understand it. They don't understand the purpose. They don't understand what it takes to win. And, and is Bradley Beal you know, gonna even want to be here to be part of this if if they don't seem to understand what it takes to be a winning player, um, or a winning leader of, of a franchise? So I don't even look at it as like what is what does this do for Jalen Brown as much as I look at it as there's they gonna they have a, they have eighty two games to figure it out and and they have to you know but can, <laughs> but but can they but but here's the question justin can they is there an outcome and how likely is it that those two do figure it out? Forget adding
0: somebody, but how likely is it that, that they in, – in All right. years answer that. Too. Yeah, I'll answer that in a second. But you asked – but here's the real question. Do you want to be a winner? <laughs> Betonline.ag. <laughs> Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up so before the next pitch head on over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts don't sit on the sidelines anymore folks get in on this action don't forget to use that promo code CLNS 50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts. All right, John, now I'll answer your question. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) The question, the answer to your question is, yeah, of course they have to figure it out. Yeah, they're supposed to be pros. Yes, dot, 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 dot. But when you look at the makeup of this roster, you look at where they were in the seedings, you know, in the standings last year, and you look at, like, they're still they're only going to assign people to a one-year deal. That's pretty obvious at this point. They're just going to pick off the free agent fodder once the cap space dries up and go out there and spend the vet minimum and whatever. And But whatever they have for exceptions, et cetera, it's, it's all going out on one-year deals, and that's it. So our biggest acquisitions for this coming season are – Josh Richardson, Chris Dunn, and Ennis Canner. Woo! Yeah. And so what I'm telling you is that yeah, they should be pros, but there better be a conversation happening with Jalen and Jason about what's supposed to happen next off season. Because the truth is, is this team is set up for infighting, and if shit don't go right, it's going to make it worse. It's, it's going, set
1: up for infighting.
0: Yes. Really? Yeah, if they don't perform well, if they don't oh, figure oh. out, if they don't yeah, do, sure. right, like if they do the old Brad Stevens overperform, you know, and and truthfully, it's kind of a nasty thing to say, because really, if these two do figure it out and move the ball and a guy like maybe Neesmith continues to come in and play with that energy and you know chris dunn helps out a little bit and peyton pritchard takes a little bit of a leap like every year we friggin do this oh if this if that if this and this blood and yeah if this year is like a isaiah thomas kind of year and they overperform or you know play better you know than they did last year with effectively less ability. I mean, I will say they should just get better by not having Kemba in and out of the lineup. I mean, that's got to be tough for them to find a groove and for, and they, and they were so disjointed on whose roles were what. There was no consistency there and they'd start to get consistency and you'd see something really special happening with Rob out there and then Rob gets injured. But all those things are still on the table with injuries and disruption to lineups. With Al Horford, I do feel like things, in terms of matching up against opponents and switching things up, is they're better. They're better constructed from that standpoint for sure. They, they don't have as so so many, you know, really misconfigured pieces. But they also don't have as much talent. And so it's possible that this goes well. Like I'm not trying to be like super negative, Nelly. If they got the fourth or third seed, I think that would consider that a very and that would be a successful year for this team mm-hmm. um, as constituted. And so setting reasonable expectations, making some noise in the postseason, some things that, you know, has happened over the last few years, that would all be great and it would be exciting. And I will turn around and, and follow that groove. But if these two don't figure out how to play off of each other and they don't yeah. figure out how to move the ball and things get a little ugly, no Alf no Al Horford in the locker room as a as a as a quiet leader and Ennis Canner as the fun guy is gonna pull them through, you know, them landing in the seventh and eighth seed when they finally have the keys turned over to them. Like finally, right? That is that is something that we all need to acknowledge, especially me. I've said we should have turned this team over to these two a while ago. You did. I did, so now I'm getting what I'm wanting and it sounds like I'm a complete baby, but yes. I wanted I wanted them to turn it <laughs> over to them and and have like an Evan Fournier here. I wanted it to I wanted it them to be the alphas with a decent supporting cast. And mm-hmm. the truth is is they're they're turning it over to them without what could have been a much better supporting cast and as a result of that, I don't think they're really going to maximize this concept of turning the team over. To them, And so I, I am concerned that they underperform, that they are in that seventh or eighth seed, do kind of what they should have done the first few years of their career and had them go through the pains mm-hmm. of becoming the leaders of the team, you know, both on the court and in the locker room, et cetera. And, and that that winds up like, you know, con- like further messing with the chemistry. And so that's my concern. You know, it could be great for this team as as much as it could be bad. I just hate waiting for the savior because we already got the saviors, you know, three times. Oh, no free agent will sign in Boston. Al Horford, you know, well, that's a one off. Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving trades over. I guess we didn't sign him, you know, but but we had all these guys, these big names. They're coming to save the day and it didn't. And so just don't want to squander a season waiting for that player to be named later to come save the day.
1: Yeah, no. And I think that that's, I think that's where most fans are right now. I think that they're, they're frustrated because we just went through this awful season. Right. And then, and then what happens, uh, you know, we go into the off season and, and we give away assets to get off of a bad contract. Um, you do get you know back a, a a backup big who can act who actually fits with the style of play that you want as opposed to what you had with Tristan Thompson, but you know you had to give away a lot, and you've done really very little else other than adding Josh Richardson and who knows what's going to happen with the you know the the done deal because we don't know whether or not Tristan, what, what's going to happen you know are there other assets coming here who who really knows how that Atlanta um Sacramento deal ends up. But, you know, that's the frustra- frustrating point, though, is that, you know, you had a bad year and we didn't take our medicine after the Kyrie season, after he and Horford left. And we instead tried to quick fix it. So it's kind of like be careful because we wanted to fix. We Everyone wants to fix right now, right? So that, you know, look, let's let's move on with it. You know, probably we should learn that <laughs> taking a quick fix, as we did two years ago, really just set ourselves further back. Um, and so, I think when you look at Kemba and that deal, you don't want to be in a situation. And I think that's what Fournier probably would have been. Is and unfortunately, it's Fournier and Kemba you lose to the Knicks, which is just, oh yeah, it sucks.
0: That's get ready like, and 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 that team was upstart last season. They were the fourth seed, right? Is that right? The fourth seed. And Julius Randle is another player. How many there's a guy I said we should get, right? And he has an awesome season. And John Collins plays another one. John Collins, the other guy I wanted. And I felt like there's I felt like there was a trade to be made there, honestly. Yep. Yep. Um and they didn't do it. And so and I feel like so the only thing that that does is reaffirm that the Celtics are worried that Tatum will leave if they don't get Beal. They don't want the Anthony Davis factor to happen. Mm-hmm. That's that's what this is all telling me, which is I, you know, gosh, I hope that's not the case cuz I do love Tatum but I hate the fact that players dictate so much of what's going on. It yeah. it just it really just pisses me off, you know. It's not that I want them to be taken advantage of. Or that organization should, you know, be able to control their careers. But I also don't, I don't like the reverse hijacking. It's just, it's, it's what happens all the time. It's like this balance of power just swings. You know, from one yeah. to another, and 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 it's not, and thus it's not an actual balance of power, <laughs> right? It's an overabundance of power on one side or the other, and, instead of a healthy balance that would make the league thrive. Well, it's look at the Knicks. I
1: mean, look at the, look at the the Lakers right now. You know, I mean,
0: the amount oh, did of. you see the tweet? It looks like the Lakers Uh-oh. are trying to win the two- It looks like the Lakers are trying to win the 2010 or 2011 championship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hmm yeah. yeah because of, you know they're getting all the players I, awesome ten years ago
1: but right and 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 it, it probably I don't think it's going to work for them quite as well as they'd like to hope, but you know they the ability for teams to consolidate uh is it just continues on and on and on and um you know, it's it's frustrating. You know, it's frustrating for, for teams like the Celtics, certainly, but it's it's gotta be frustrating for a lot of teams who are just sitting back and saying, you know, you gotta be kidding me. I mean the Knicks have added, you know, they've added players, although they had cap space. The Nets have added players, um you know, rich getting richer and all. I, I you know, I think one thing I wanna talk about though that that somewhat has gone under the radar is, is that you know, that talent drain the Celtics have undergone over the last few years, you know, part of the reason and I was among them who said, well, there, it's a bad deal. Yeah, you know, I'm glad I'm not paying Al Horford. You know, I'm glad I'm not paying uh, Terry Rozier. I'm glad I'm not paying, you know, Gordon Hayward. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, we have to kind of reexamine that a little bit because, you know, while I, I certainly don't want the Sellers to end up in, in cap jail, um, we're sitting here now, uh, you know, three, four years after, you know, kind of that that drain has gone on. And I'm not saying those are all good deals, uh, but none of them looked as bad looked as bad now as they did, you know, certainly then. And I think – you know we we've, we've been kind of listening to the Celtics brass say well you know you, you got to be careful and you can't put yourself in a bad spot and all this and <laughs> i i just i have a hard time wondering you know and thinking about you know how much of this is really just the Celtics don't want to pay players they don't pay play, pay players what they're worth you know i mean yeah do i want gordon that Hayward, sounds like, like what perry year?
0: That sounds but, like the drum that Bernardoni is banging on, right? I mean Yeah.
1: And I, I kinda of feel that, that way too. Of,
0: I've yeah. kind of come over to that side because I have too.
1: It's frustrating and, and I and I'm not saying that they should just pay everybody and obviously you can't do that, but they've let good players walk. And and over and over and over again, and if you're gonna have a hard line and a firm line on players, then then that trade them. You know, if you aren't gonna keep Gordon Hayward, trade him. Why wouldn't you trade Kyrie Irving? If things were as bad behind the scenes as we think, trade him. You know, same with Horford. Same with I mean or, that inability this? to read <laughs> your own players
0: yeah. is that to me is why Danny Ainge deserved to go. Let go. Yeah. So let me let me follow up on that too, though, like spinning into our new Regime, you know, with Brad in that role. Yeah. If the whole point is to get cap space, why the hell are we trying to take advantage of the, you know, trade exceptions that we created from Canner and Hayward, what's left of them, only to let guys like Fournier walk anyway? Like, the, there's no, if you don't use it, to get something of value, why are you using it, <laughs> right? I don't. I don't even Fournier. Like I, I remember saying when we made the deal, this is great as long as we resign him, mm-hmm. and now we didn't resign him, and right. then they're trying to work everybody into these trade exceptions, you know. And I'm like, why? And the only thing I can think of is. Is Chris Dunn an expiring contract? I need to look that up. All right, so he's an expiring contract. Maybe they're just trying to get as many people on a one-year deal as they can, and so they're using the trade exceptions to get these. They're willing to spend the money this year within the rules, right? But they want, but they only want to get people for one year because they're trying to do the cap space. So it's just weird that we're using these trade exceptions. But you know, I guess, I guess. I guess the reason they went with Fournier over anybody else was because he was expiring. This was all part of the plan. They realized they couldn't make the big splash with the Hayward trade exception, and so they knew it was gone. So why not get a one-year rental that might just help them, and they could kick the tires? You know, maybe right. they, they maybe they knew they were doing this all along, but it, that's where it ties back to what you just said. You know, was Miles Turner really an opportunity? If he was, come on, guys. Right. Why didn't, why didn't we, why didn't we trade Hayward even before it got to the point where we almost lost him? I mean, That's it sounded right. like they might reassign him, like the mismanagement of that piece. And, and you're laying it all on Danny. And I can see why because, no, most of that foundation was beforehand. And now Brad's just yeah. kind of dealing with the leftovers a little bit. Yes. Uh, so yeah. I, but I see I'm, that, but
1: I'm, I'm putting it on Danny, but I'm probably even more putting it on Wick. I, I think that that's.
0: Do you know, yeah, think Danny wanted
1: to leave because he didn't necessarily agree with it? I, I don't. I don't know if that's where it is or not. But all I'm saying is, other than from eight 2008 to 2012, I think for the you know the kind of the KG Paul era, uh, you know they they paid tax, you know. But apart from that, they have very few and far between been in the tax a tax paying team, and you know due to the changes in the recent CBA and the punitive nature of the, the repeater tax, I understand why you can't just live in the tax year after year after year, but are you not, have you not been competitive? Have you you not been a perennial Eastern conference finalist? I mean, yes, it's great to be able to be a conference finalist in spite of uh, a, a salary number that's outside the tax, but if you want to stay competitive or push over that number it, and to, to become a, a champion, you got to go deeper. <laughs> I mean, Milwaukee was already in the tax and they said, look, we're going to get, we're going to get Drew Holiday. We're going to get PJ Tucker. We're going to get, um, you know, uh, Bryn Forbes, you know, Bobby Portis, um, you know, the Celtics have had to play games the last few years to try to stay out of the tax. And, and, you know, I look, I understand you minimize that the best you can. But over and over, the Celtics took chances, took opportunities. They when they had draft picks to use to trade, they didn't. And then now they don't have any draft picks to lose to add players, you know, expiring players or whatever. Um and and then they don't have those picks anymore, and now the issue is salary. And it's like, so which is it? Is it you don't have the assets? Is it because you don't want to spend the salary? And I, mean, I used to think it was just a, an asset mismanagement situation. I'm beginning to wonder if it's really more about money. And I, I just think that there's some hard questions that, that Wick, Grossbeck, and the ownership have to answer because I'm not going to be satisfied with the, well, when we're in that situation, we'll spend the tax. That's not enough for me now. That's a pat answer that's worked for 12 years or 10 years since KG left. It's not enough for me now. Uh, they they need to be they need to be more aggressive with their wallet. You know, they the the value of that of that franchise has increased 10 times over the 20 years they've owned the franchise or less than 20 years. I don't want to hear anything about well, we don't want to go into the tax. I, I'm just I'm over that. You know, I, I don't want repeater tax, so that you know, I don't want yeah, them so hard capped. But they got to do better with the money they have.
0: That's so the let idea. me ask you: if they spend the money and they land the big free agent next summer, do you all of a sudden not feel that way anymore?
1: No, or I not? still feel that way because it's it's they've lost opportunities. You know, yeah. I mean, it, that's where we are today is because, well, we didn't want to overpay Gordon Hayward. We didn't want to overpay, you know, Terry Rozier. We didn't want to overpay, uh, you know, Al Horford. Those three guys, if they were here over the last few years, how do you think this team would have, you know, would have played? Do you think they would have been better than the team we saw? I think undoubtedly that's the case. And you could have had all of them, you know? Maybe you wouldn't have been able to, you know, maybe, you know, you would have just trade Terry by the time, you know, Hayward's deal came up or, you know, I don't I don't know how you would have, but yeah, we had, we were 0 for 3 <laughs> on all those guys. And I just, that's the mismanagement that bothers me. And that's what, and then now it's Brad's team and I'm willing to, and that's kind of the thing that Abby, uh, I want to say clap back at, at, Ryan for for saying on Twitter today about you know well it's a new person no doubt ninety nine percent of the front office is the same but the issue is is that I don't know that there's a change in philosophy and nobody has indicated anything differently in terms of philosophy you know (laughs) we're still attaching bad assets and bad contracts with with high value trade you know draft picks. To send out to clear our, our, our cap sheet. Once again, third year in a row we've done this. You know? And now we just signed one of the guys that we sent away for Desmond Bain. I, I just it just seems like we're going in a cycle and we're not ever getting out of it. Maybe this is the end. And if this is the end, then I I'm 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 appreciative of Brad Stevens putting his foot down and saying, okay, from here on we're gonna be a hell of a lot better. Because it does take something to probably dig yourself out of that hole, but right now, if this is bottom, it doesn't feel great, but I'd feel better knowing that there is no further because th- we are three years of falling at this point. right? I
0: mean I'm f- I'm, we're falling and we can't get up.
1: We're falling and we, we're that old lady in the ba- in the basement <laughs> of the the floor of her bathroom with our little medical or bracelet or whatever. <laughs> Help! i have falling and I can't get up. That's us. <laughs>
0: That's where we are. It
1: uh, sucks,
0: right? Oh, dude, it's really. It, all I can say is, if we set the if we set the bar low, there's a chance we'll actually end up being happy during the season.
1: <laughs> well, and and look, we're, right? We're, we're we're right. I mean, there's. It, could it, I mean think about this, right? I mean, how the season ended, apart from you know, kind of a spirited kind of last series there with with Brooklyn, although I'm still not happy with the whole Kyrie Irving stepping on the logo thing. Um, no, that's you know, a that and, and and that was something we haven't talked about this, but that was something that kind of came up in some of the postseason kind of you know conversations of You know, that was something that didn't go over well with people in the organization. I'm guessing that was a wick Grossbeck thing. And I'll give credit to Wick. If that was something that bothered him and that's why he wanted to pursue change in the front office or the coaching staff, I appreciate that. Because while I understand people think, well, it's just a symbol. Who cares? It represents the team. If you're not playing for the team, what the hell's the point? Shut the whole damn thing down and we'll all play one-on-one all day long. I mean, the team is what binds you. That's the game. That's what we are all doing this for, you know? And so I was appreciative of of whoever was frustrated about that. If that helps for change, great. But that's what I want to see. Like, what – What's going to change, right? Are they going to, you know, are they going to fight for each other? Are they going to play for each other? Are they going to share the ball? Um, you know, I think that's why I think this, this U.S. team USA experience is great for Tatum, you know, because it's okay. I'm part of a, a thing. This isn't about me. This isn't about me getting mine. This is about one goal, gold medal. You know, and I and it's all we've seen over and over. Players have come away um, positively from that, and I I'm hopeful that that will help him as well.
0: Yeah, um, it's interesting. It feels like he and, and Durant are kind of buddying up a little bit too, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think and, so. And and, and and or that that pseudo passing of the torch, right? Like, you know, he's he's. Durant's throwing a lot of love Tatum's way. So, um, you know, that's kind of it's kind of interesting to me that way. Um, and you know, Tatum can't be, you know, the guy, right, on team USA. And so, especially with Durant ahead of him at the same position essentially, right, with a similar function in the offense, um, and defense for that matter, but um, So, you know, yeah, I kind of hope that. But I guess my other question for you is is you've kind of decided that Tatum is a little selfish when you say that, right? Like, and part of me is like, I don't know that Tatum is necessarily selfish. I just Mm -hmm. think, like, there are times, dude, I hate when he just dribbles it up and kind of gets in there and does the sidestep sort of fade.
1: You know,
0: that, that bothered me. But I felt like that happened a lot more when his lungs weren't there and they were really looking to him to carry the mm-hmm. team. Right. And so I'm not so sure that he's mentally selfish as much as he was trying to figure out that role and what yeah. needs to happen. And so then there's here's the yin to the other yang that you were talking about. Brad felt like he couldn't get it across to them to move the ball around. So is that really what happened or not? And what I mean is, or did, or, or was Brad asking Tatum to do it? I just don't understand like this whole "I lost the team" thing. Well, was it more on purpose to like maybe Danny lost the team, you know, in these other ways that you described? I love Danny, so I even hate saying this. Me too. But maybe Danny, maybe Danny lost the team at an executive level, and the team was handcuffed with Brad and his salary, and and whatnot, and so they kind of saw an opportunity cuz for them to replace Danny is going to cost them a lot of money right so okay. for them to elevate Brad they can then get a coach who's an upstart and probably mm-hmm. save a little bit of money oh, but sure. if they if, but if they keep Brad on Brad's contract and replace Danny now they're yeah. really paying which ties in what you just said about the whole finances and them not wanting to spend mm-hmm. right and so you know maybe Brad maybe Brad Knew that Tatum needed to develop the skill set and maybe he was instructed to do it. Maybe it's not so simple as he lost the team and they couldn't get everybody to do the ball movement. Um, if that's the case, there's some sign, there's some potential for being encouraged this season. I think it's probably just, I honestly, I, I feel like it's just a total lack of direction and, and chemistry on the team last season in general. And it probably led to a little bit of all of that. They probably wanted Tatum to do it. They just didn't want Tatum to do it the way he was doing it. And they didn't want Tatum to do it so much that it impacted, you know, the way that the ball movement went. And then maybe the experiment went awry and they couldn't then fix it. And then they got into positions in games where they felt like, well, I guess Tatum's got to take the game over again. And so they relent. But they can't get everybody together on the same page, and they can't get out of it. And definitely lacking practice time, with Kemba in and out of the lineup, and a and a and a double big lineup with this squad <laughs> did not help with the ball movement issues. I mean, they might have yeah. just dug a cultural and chemistry type hole that just they could not get out of.
1: I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, the, yes, I, I I mean, I think it's a, a an all of the above probably. You know, I, I think that that's true, um, and and the totality of them were just too much. I mean, we've always heard everyone's good people. Every, you know, there's no ill will between Brad and any of these players, and you know, I, I don't, I don't think that there's anything personal. I don't know if "personal" is the right word, but I don't think there's anything that makes me say, "Oh, okay, this is this was done poorly," or with malice. I don't think there's malice involved in this. I think it's, it's more about a whole bunch of good people.
0: Mismanagement on, on levels that just combine to a disaster.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's error on top of error on top of error. You know, it's, it's young guys who don't yet know how to lead and how to win. Um, It's um, a front office that prioritize draft picks over veteran players who would leave soon, but then that left a bench devoid of veteran players for a coach who wants to play veteran players, who doesn't want to, you know, try it out with rookies and, and, and rookies contract players. Um, it's a front office and potentially an ownership that didn't want to spend money on players and go deep into the tax. Um, you know, I mean, I think it's it's all that. And then in the micro level, it's COVID. <laughs> um, it's, you know, a skill set in Tatum, which is Kobe-esque, yes, but, you know, lacking really understanding of how to get to the basket and how to efficiently score, you know, really trying to figure that aspect of the game out. Um, really, for the first time at the NBA level, being somebody who had to be a playmaker at any in any capacity. Remember, he was basically a, a you know a spot up shooter for his, the first year he was here, first year or two, frankly. Um, you know, Jalen had never had any sort of passing responsibilities whatsoever. You know, so I mean, take all that, throw in a throw in a pot, and you can see why it would go bad. You know, um, but on the other hand, as you go into next year to kind of go back to your first kind of thought is, does Bradley Beal fix it? No, Bradley Beal doesn't fix it. But, you know, we to go back to the argument that I heard over and over, is it Tatum and Brown or is it everywhere and around Tatum and Brown? <laughs> you know, are they not good enough around those two? And that's why the team's not good, because those two can do can't do it on their own and i think the truth is it's a little column a and column b right you need you need leadership from your stars but those stars have to show support and have to show leadership for the other guys you, you know you they they can't average 50 a game each and even then you'd lose <laughs> you know if they're taking 50 shots each so you have to there has to be some of both and I, I think that hopefully that experience last year taught them a lot. I saw a lot more out of Tatum in that, that playoff series and down the stretch than I thought he was capable of. But there's still things to learn. And, and again, we I remember talking about this on the show. Let's remember, Paul Pierce was in his eighth season, seventh season, when he put the ace bandage around his head at a post-game press conference. And he was like 26, 27 years old. You know, so I mean, he's now the captain, the truth, and and beloved, and all you know, finals MVP. These guys are twenty three, twenty four, right? So we've asked, they've accomplished so much, but we're asking a lot of them too. And the problem is, let's not burn them out before they're, um, you know, before uh, let's not turn on them before they've shown that they can't do it. Uh, and I and I think that they can do it. I think they can figure it out. And I think Bradley Beal being here, I think he's a better distributor than he's probably showing in in, in Washington. and would be if he's playing next to Tatum and Brown, but it doesn't solve the problem on on itself. And and Tatum and Brown have to solve so much of that, and they have to show it from the jump this year.
0: Yeah, they really do. Yeah, they have to get. Yeah, From the jump I (laughs) I started to have a response And then I heard the last thing In the back of my mind I heard the last thing you said And I was like from the jump I don't know man Um, Maybe not from the jump They got to figure it out
1: through the year And by the time I get to the end I think that's Based on the way way
0: that they constructed this roster and everything else, like they need to end the season with the kind of confidence going into off-season workouts, et cetera, and riding that high that we just signed so-and-so and and there's nobody else on the team that's going to be pissed that we signed him. Oh, guess what? (laughs) That's not happening because Marcus is going to be gone. You know, you look at what happened with Jay when when the Hayward signing, right? Like he really took that kind of personally through that whole end of that season. And mm-hmm. uh you know, just look at how that all played out. So, you know, there's the danger there we're going to let Smart go. What if what if last thing and then I got to wrap. I need a nap overnight. Like go to bed. Right. So, <laughs> if if Marcus Smart if Marcus Smart has a phenomenal season, how are you going to feel when they let him go? So that they can go chase a Bradley Beal, like what if what if Smart has that, you know, prove himself type of year, yeah, and earns the deal, and then they right. turn their back on him, and he, he he goes off and does great, and then the the team spends all this money, and it's wash rinse repeat. I'm gonna I mean, be I'm gonna be so flipping pissed, like it's yeah. I mean that's a major gamble. Now the likelihood of that, eh, right? right. But you can't Isaiah Thomas or Jay Crowder, Marcus Smart, you know, or maybe that maybe he's a perfect combination, right? He comes out and has this great season and he's got that, that Jay Crowder, dirt doggy, you know, get it done kind of thing. But he's an inspirational leader, you know, for everybody and the fan base the way it was, he's kind of a combination of those two. Mm -hmm. If you, if you do him dirty, it's gonna be really friggin' ugly and it looks like he's on his way out in the end. So he could go the other way. It's a contract year, so he could have an amazing year, but it's a this is gonna be a
1: mess, dude. Do you remember how he played in his last contract year? Yeah, he played great, right? No. No. No, we <laughs> he played punched pic, he punched yeah. the picture frame and
0: yeah. you were you were ready to like <laughs> ship him out the door. I was so him mad out. at
1: him. But yeah, then dude, he but yeah, he recovered. Ugly. He yeah. rebounded from that and he actually had a, a you know had a good season following that. Um so you know, look, I I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. Oh my god, family. this is
0: so set up to be a mess.
1: But okay, well but look at it this way, right? So they've had a bad year though. Like the difference in that case is the Celtics weren't bad the year before. I I think that there is that thing where you walk away from the bubble and the, the COVID protocols they had to follow last year and and all that. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen this year, certainly. But, but it's certainly going to be a heck of a lot more normal than what we saw the last two. And I think that if I were a player who went through the last two years, I would have a sense of motivation in me, a sense of like relief. And probably for if I'm Marcus, I'm looking at it and saying, look, okay, I've got to, you know, I've got to find a way to turn this around. For, to be the type of guy that I think he is, he's got to figure out a way to lead this team and set guys up and not look for counting stats and not look to get his, his shots up. But to lead, and if he does that, I think that will benefit him. But you are, but there are like two distinctly different things. And if he, you know, goes out and averages seventeen and eight, um, that'll look good for opposing teams wanting to sign him. If he does not on thirty percent shooting, um, less so. But if that happens, the Celtics will try to trade him anyway. You know what I mean? And they're this is. The Sox are not going to go to the end of the season, I don't believe, if Marcus isn't a, a good so- citizen, you know. And if no, that happens, yeah. it'll be easier for Brad to do it, as hard as that is to,
0: to – yeah. And there's no point in up. trading him during the season because they don't want to take on salary. So the only thing they would do is trade well, him for no, another
1: – No, you could trade him. You could trade for him an for expiring
0: a, contract. yeah. yeah. You could but you'd just be flipping him for another expiring contract, that's sure. all.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But there, there I mean there are plenty that will, you know, there's plenty will be playing room next summer, so there's plenty of expiring money that, you know, should be out there. Um, you know, and you'll be able to get a little bit more form. You may be able to get another pick, you may be able to get a young player, you may, you know, I don't know. But um I, I think I would prefer Marcus has a good year. And he, you know, he set he does. He becomes Dennis Johnson, 1984. That's what I want out of Marcus Smart this year. I want him to be Dennis Johnson, 1984, uh, a, a an all-star caliber or, or slightly below all-star caliber player who defends the hell out of the basketball, sets his teammates up. Um, you know, and and really is a, is a leader on the defensive end. If he can be Mark Dennis Johnson 1984, that's that's all I could ask from him. You know, but look how many shots DJ put up in '84. It wasn't it wasn't you know 17 shots a game. <laughs> you know, the shots were still going to Larry and Kevin and Cedric and Robert. You know, and that's and that's the way it should have been. Um, and Webbin too. Um, that's that's what I want out of him.
0: I want Marcus Smart to be the best Marcus Smart that Marcus Smart can be. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just be yourself, buddy. Don't listen to him. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this week's show. As a reminder, you can uh, follow Celtics stuff live on Twitter at CSL underscore tweet live. John is at CSL underscore Duke. I am CSL underscore Justin heartfelt sure. thank you to everybody yeah I haven't been on there I'm on there but I'm like a creeper now I only like never say anything unless I'm getting pissed during a game um, heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in and uh, on behalf of our CLNS founder Nick Jelso my co-host John Duke I'm Justin Poulin thank you for listening to this week's episode of Celtic Stuff Live Rusty.